This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. So we're back here in Tampa at the Institute's Summit. We're in St. Petersburg. Carm, you, you get a chance to go to all these exotic places. Being a podcaster is like being on vacation. Well, I haven't seen the sun, although I hear it's out there. The big, big <laughs> yellow thing in the sky. <laughs> it is out today. Good to see you, Anthony. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate this. We appreciate Cecil and Kent ha- having us out. We're exposed to so many great, great speakers. I mean, I don't know about you, but they've been they've, on fire. They've been great. Uh, Shasta, the last one, I think everybody's been great, but I think the last one was the best. Such a topic that I never thought we'd actually talk about. I think it resonated more with everybody that's something that we all struggle with. The interpersonal relationships we have at work in the culture in our workplace, it's become, we're not only talking about it more and more these days, you know, since COVID, it's become such a huge part of what makes a business great or not. When she talked, the talk was about friendships and I never thought it could be so deep and expansive and we only got one hour of it. Yeah. And to teach the shop owners that were in that room how to be vulnerable yeah, and bring that to the team because we all want friends in our lives, relationships in our lives. And how do you do it inside of a rough and rugged <laughs> bunch of guys? Right. Turn we're all a bunch of men. We don't have feelings. Menly you know? men. <laughs> That's it. We don't have feelings and we can't talk about our feelings at work. We can't tell each other we're lonely. What is that? You can't do that. Leave that at home. You can't do that. Hey, plan to be at Apex 2023, October 31st through November 2nd. Apex will build upon the incredible success of Joe's Garage, a full 10-day working environment. If you earn your living in the auto service aftermarket, then Apex is for you. Hey, did you know that Napa Tracks has on-site training plus six days a week support? It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Let us prove to you that Tracks is the single best shop management system in the business. Find Napa Tracks on the web at napatracs.com. Your member of this organization, as far as having them be a coaching organization for your success. Correct. So I'm not currently in a gear. Uh, no, you're not. In a, you're not in a group. I'm going to be. I'm. I have the the onboarding stuff in my email. Oh, I just haven't got around to it. All right. Um. So I am going to be in a group after this um event. They're going to assign me to a group. But I just finished a, uh, I believe it was three years or 30 month one-on-one yeah. with Cecil. Yeah. Completely, completely changed our business for the better. If we had all day, I could even start to talk about it. I mean, it's unbelievable. Anthony, was he tough on you? He was, but you know something? You needed you it. Need. You needed that's it. Huh? You need. I don't need <laughs> someone to tell me how great my shop is. I mean, you know. So before we turn on the mics, John Constantine, who's here in the studio, a friend of mine in Buffalo and Anthony and I, and Anthony was just, he was doing the episode, right? And I had to stop him. And I says, wait a minute, this is all just too good because he was talking about his transformation over the years and the things that he didn't necessarily know that brought you to the position of profitability and uh, probably to be a much better leader. Yeah. So one thing that I was speaking with him when you walked away I always had this mindset that I need to focus on three major things. I need to focus on my customer experience. So how are my customers or my potential customers going to view my business? How are they going to see value? What's going to make them want, you know, with all the choices out there, what's going to make them want to come to my shop? 
So I have to focus on that. I've got to focus on my product. I have to have the best product. It has to be consistent. It has to be perfect every single time. When it's not, that's where the staff comes in. We've got to own it. We've got to make up for it. The honesty, transparency, the integrity, the staff I knew had to be on a level unlike everything else out there. So we focused on a really good culture, a really good staff, surrounding ourselves with just genuinely good people that want to do a good job and, and provide that exceptional customer experience. So I always thought that if you did those things, that's what you have to focus on as a business owner, as a leader, and the money will be in the bank. It's not true. It's not true. It doesn't make your business successful. You have to understand the numbers. And for years, I couldn't understand why we were doing all those things right. But God, we just weren't profitable. We were doing okay. We were hanging on. I started to actually believe that, you know, hey, it's a tough business. This is about as good as it gets. It's just not a real profitable business, you know? And I started to believe that. And then I started to see the light, if you will. Hanging on. Well, that's an interesting business strategy. And so you're on your way home. You're going back to family, I imagine. Of course. You're just hanging on. Yeah. And you were probably saying uh, prayers to yourself at two in the morning and not telling <laughs> mama that you're just hanging on. There was a lot of sleepless nights and um, a lot of sacrifices made that, you know, as the leader, you've got to do it. But, you know, I'm like, well, my payday will come down the road. Oh, you know? I see. Okay. So that's the dream part. That someday. Yeah, someday. That someday dream? That someday, yeah, okay. exactly. Someday this uh, is going to work out. And, and after 13 years in business, which I think you said you're 13? Almost. April 1st will be 13 Okay, years well, we'll back us. up the three years you've been hanging out with Cecil right. and had a coach. So 10 years into the business, Correct. you got sick and tired of hanging on. Yeah, you know, I need some help. And it was a fellow shop owner who owns a shop maybe six minutes from mine. Successful shop. He's been in business a long time. Great guy. And he said, hey, you know, I've got a... Worldpack smart group coming up meeting. And have you heard of Cecil, Cecil Bullard? And I said, yeah, I have, you know, I've, I've seen he does class. I get the ads for his classes all the time. And it was never something that I did. And I said, you know what? And I listened to Jim Piper from Elite Auto Repair. And he said, you know, this group has been unbelievable for me. So I said, yeah, you know what? There's no excuses. I can't keep making excuses. I could find a million other things to do that, that weekend when they were meeting. But I said, you know what? Let me do it. So I did. Uh, I got to meet the other people in the group. Uh, I got to meet Cecil. You know, I went into it thinking I had a pretty good handle on things. And I very, very quickly fell into that valley of despair where I finally realized what I didn't know and how far behind I was. Still confident in my product, still confident that I had the right facility, the right image, brand is on point. Our staff, I was convinced we had all the right pieces, but I was also came to realize that as a leader, ignoring a lot of the back end stuff, ignoring the numbers, I was really doing a disservice to the business. I want to concentrate on the individual who was six minutes away. He reached out to you or did he hear of the fact that you maybe wanted to go to that next level from someone else? Because there's a message here. There's a message of connectivity. There's a message of helping each other. And I've always been a big fan of someone in my market just down the road who you can tell is struggling just in a lot of cases, just from the outside or things that you hear and say, knock on the door. Hey, go, let's go have some coffee. Hey, let's talk. We're both independents. Yeah, well, you think we're competitors, but we're not. It's really the dealer. And maybe there's things we can do to help each other out. We don't have to share trade secrets, but maybe there's some right. strategic things we can work on. And, and, Explain to me exactly how that happened so that maybe we can get people to repeat that. Yeah. So he didn't reach out to me 
because I, he knew I needed help or anything like that. I had known him for years. When I got my first car way back, uh, my high school days, got my first car, his previous location, his shop had been the one that serviced it. So I, right. I knew him as a customer okay. years ago, top notch shop. So, you know, we stayed in contact over the years and we've always agreed, you know, hey, there's so much honest work to go around. There are so many broken cars out there. We're not competing for each other or for each other's business. We're in competition with ourselves and there's enough honest work to go around. And, you know, like they said today earlier, you know, rising tide will raise all ships. Right. So, you know, when we see shops around us doing better, it lifts us all up. We can all do better. So we've always been eager to help each other, whether it's borrowing tools or just, you know, firing ideas off one another. And I think he could probably, I don't remember the exact conversation, but I do remember I was in my car and I think you could probably hear the, the hesitation, the hesitation yeah. in my voice and just kind of the I think he could feel where I was in my frustration, just kind of like complacent in my frustration. And I think that he probably recognized that because I'm sure, you know, at some point he was there and, you know, I'm in a place now where if I feel like I'm talking to somebody and they're in that yeah. comfortable yeah. frustration, yeah. 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 you know, I'm eager to say, Hey, you got to check these guys out or you got to do something. So that's vocal tone, body language, all of that tells right. stories. If you're an observer of people, it doesn't take much to figure that out. So you go to this class and you said just a few minutes ago, I had no idea how far behind I was oh. because you're, you're getting all this incoming and I'm sure Cecil covered bang, 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 bang. And you say, oh. it's like a machine gun firing at you. And again, so that we can help people understand what's the next step. Some people are so overwhelmed. They say, forget it. I can't do this. I won't do this. I don't want to put myself out to be vulnerable at all. And I guess I'm just going to wait, just get by and just maybe sink into oblivion someday. I have no wealth to build and nothing to give in legacy, which is all the wrong things. Right. Please, everyone understand yeah. that. And so what were your next steps? So the overwhelming part was just, you know, hearing everybody talk about certain KPIs and I say KPI now, I didn't even know what it, I'm like, what's a KPI? I didn't yes. know what that was, a key performance indicator. And they're talking about, um, you know, gross profit per hour sold. And I knew average repair order. I knew that one. I knew mine wasn't great, but again, Hey, well, we'll just service more cars. It's 300. So what's the big deal? Yeah, exactly. And then hearing these guys talk about, you know, 500, 700, 900. And I'm like, really? Wow. <laughs> you know, hearing them talk in confidence, just about and understanding, not just what those numbers were, but what they meant. And it was extremely overwhelming. And then I had a private talk with Cecil and he was like, you know, this is something that seems, you know, you're at the bottom of a mountain and this seems impossible, but I promise you that if you follow the right steps and we break it down into to small, small goals yeah. and you do them one by one, some are going to have an immediate, quick, high return. Some aren't, some are going to take some time and some are going to, some are going to be harder than others. And some are going to have just small positive impacts, but it, you chip away at them one by one. And before you know it, you can be a top performing shop and you'll be talking to me about your second location, which is one of the reasons I'm here. We're interested in doing a second location. Well, Never, you should. Three years ago, I, I didn't think it was possible. You should. You, I, th I think I read somewhere, uh, ARO from 300 to 800. Two, uh, yeah. You're being fair. No, ARO, when I first met Cecil, it was like 287. That's close. That's Ooh. 300. Well, we'll take that. Okay. I appreciate that. It was low. It I was love this guy. Low. I mean, you are, everything matters. I understand. Yep. And so you took those incremental steps with Cecil right. and he was your accountability partner. And when it was time to do this and he got on the phone with you next month, you did it. 
Yeah. You need somebody to hold you accountable. And well, at least I do. I'm the type of person where, you know, hey, when I get the time, I'm going to do this or I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, going to, going to. You're not. You're just and lying I'm, to yourself. I'm lying to myself. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I need somebody to hold me accountable. You tend to do the things, you tend to accomplish the goals and do the things that interest you. And for me, I've always been a kind of a hands-on technical guy. So that stuff hasn't really been an issue, but the number side of it, understanding the business and really committing to making these small changes um, is what I needed. And somebody to not just hold me accountable, but say, you know, look, I'm the professional. This is what I do. Trust the process and trust that what's the worst that can happen. Give you a quick example. One of the things that we were doing that was killing us was waiting appointments. So we always did waiting appointments. Our schedule was full of waiting appointments. Why? Because that's what people wanted. That's what our customers wanted. Wait a minute. I've seen your place. Please go to uh, protectservice.com and look at this facility. It looks like a high-end dealership. And so people look, walk in and say, I'm going to wait because they love it because they love it. It it looked like it. That's that's what I did at the dealer for the first two years. People would say, Oh, I don't, you know, three, four hours. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'll I'll just sit and I'll do some work. You guys have Wi-Fi, coffee bar, snack, turn it all off. Yeah. Oh man. So we did, we did a ton of waiting appointments and people loved it. They'd come in, they'd pop their laptop open, their car'd be done for two hours. They'd still be sitting there doing work and on the phone and everything else. And, you know, so we thought that we can't take that away. We can't force people to drop their cars off. And, and Cecil said, well, you got to come up with a plan. You got to offer something else, maybe, you know, loaner cars or give them rides, but get the car dropped off. You're pulling technicians off of repair work to go and pull in a, a car to do an oil service at say 1 PM or 10, 10 AM. And that person's in the waiting room. You're not going to have time to put together an yeah, estimate. Yeah. The tech doesn't have time to properly go through the car. You're doing a disservice to the customer. Again, it's for the right we're doing the waiting appointment because we think that that's, well, we know that that's what they want. And we think, well, you know, doing what they want is what's right. Easier to true. manage the workflow, right? Easier to manage, I guess, because we've just got a schedule and we're just, yeah, I mean, cars you don't it. have that, that, if you will, red light flashing over that set of keys or that bay or that technician saying, waiter, waiter, waiter. Oh yeah. Having the time to do things right yeah. and not, not filling the schedule. That was something that took a lot of trust and I had to trust in Cecil and I had to trust in the process and say, you know, what we're doing now isn't working. It took me a little while, but it didn't take a whole lot of convincing. By the time I sought his help, I knew that what we were doing wasn't working. So I knew we needed to make changes and I've solicited his help to make changes and it's, you know, it's quite an investment. And I said, I need to trust the process. I need to trust him the way that I want my customers to trust me. I need to trust him. And I did. And we made these changes and made the analogy earlier to a fellow shop owner. I was like, you know, it's like standing, I've never skydived, but I could imagine the hardest part is that door opens up and you're standing there waiting to jump. Once you jump, it's, you're probably fine. But, um, ah, wait a minute. The analogy is you take the leap, take the leap, the leap you've been denying yourself to take because I can't afford it. And then people keep telling you, I can't afford not to. Right. You take the leap. And in my analogy is the coach. The networking group is the parachute. Well, the networking group's probably the parachute. And then Cecil's the guy that behind you that kicks you out. The ah, okay. <laughs> well, I, I can't wait to tell him that. If you went to Apex 2022, then you realized the incredible commitment that Apex has to the service professional. Joe's Garage is your place with 10 working bays as you experienced real live working conditions. Also, the best tech companies from tools and repair to management software had their latest and greatest for you. 
You also attended technical and business management training with the industry's best and brightest. Now, work is underway to make next year's Apex 2023 have even more product demos, trending training, marketing, and social media support to help you grow your sales and profits. Remember, if you earn your living in the aftermarket, then Apex is the expo for you. Continue listening as we bring you the latest from Apex 2023. Save the date, October 31st through November 2nd, 2023. Hey, let's face it. Your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. Napa Tracks has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the industry's best, most comprehensive SMS. Now, it all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you need to run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. And having local representation is a huge plus. Customizing tracks to your business, whether you're a one-person shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company, a representative consults with you to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. Tracks always has the flexibility to do business how you need to do it, which means it can also grow as your business grows. And unlike the other guys, we'll be there for you after installation with the best training and support in the business. Yes, a learning management system tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Trax was designed and built for shop owners just like you. Visit us on the web at NapaTrax, that's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. A lot of the stuff that we were talking about was things that I wanted to do. One of the things he said to me the first time he came out to my shop, you know, he said, you got a lot of work to do. I'm going to write up a plan for you, a success plan. I'm going to outline all the reasons you're terrible and you don't know what you're doing. You know? <laughs> that and would he doesn't, be him. He didn't pull any punches. He doesn't hold back. <laughs> right. And again, that's what you need. And he said, a couple of things you got to do right away. All right. You got to stop doing waiting appointments. And I said, oh, okay. So we called everyone in the office and we, all the advisors, and we said, guys, no more waiting appointments. What did they say? <sighs> did they look at you as if you were nuts? No, because they, I think they- They were I ready they for could it. probably see on my face that, you know, I could, they could probably see the fear in my eyes, but I think they all knew that we needed to make changes too. And we didn't want to do waiting appointments. We just thought we had to. I see. We just didn't think we'd lose every customer we have if we tell them they can't wait anymore. But the bottom line, Anthony, is they got behind you. They did. They committed. And for all of these next steps, even though they may have had some input, hey, what if we, we're going to do this, but what if we did it this way? Were you encouraging engagement into the changes you were making? That day, we made the first couple of changes. We immediately saw results. And I think that that was something that I wasn't expecting. Typically, when you start to make some changes, if you're dieting or you start working out something like that, it takes some time. You're going to put in a lot of work before you start to see any results from it. The idea is you need to work at it long enough to when you start seeing results, then it makes sense. This was like right away. And I'll give you a quick, a funny story. So we had this customer that in our industry is just an awful customer, you know, nice guy. And you didn't fire Bob. You didn't fire him. I had not fired this customer. Right. Nice guy. His name Bob. He'd come in once a, every couple of months and get an oil service in his car, his daughter's car, whatever. And he'd always make a waiting appointment for a Saturday. Oh, and I, we should back up and say one of the other changes that Cecil told us to do was close Saturdays. And did you? We did. For three years, my general manager, Nick, and I went back and forth, got to close Saturdays, but we, we can't do that. We run the number. We're trying to figure it out like we want to, but we can't do it. Once Cecil said, you got to close Saturdays, <laughs> you don't have to twist our arm for that one. Done. And I think like right away, I think whatever we had scheduled for the next couple of Saturdays, I think we kept, but I'm pretty sure 
effective immediately, we were pretty much closed Saturdays. This was also around the COVID time. So it was, we were able to kind of hide it in that businesses were changing hours and stuff anyways. So it, it. it actually made it easier for us. But anyway, so those were the two big changes and also raising labor rate. So those were the three raise labor rate, close Saturdays and um, stop doing waiting appointments. So the first, literally the first phone call we got after that conversation in the office was from this customer, Bob, who was a Saturday morning oil change only customer. And um, our service advisor said to him, you know, Bob, we're not going to be open Saturdays anymore and we're not doing waiting appointments. You're going to have to drop it off with us. And, you know, I, I wasn't, of course, on the phone, but, you know, he grumbled and he wasn't happy about that. I didn't care. This guy never bought anything besides an oil change or a state inspection, not an air filter, not a belt, not a brake job, nothing. He grumbled to the advisor and he said, fine, I'll drop it off. He picked a date. And just before they got off the phone, he said, you know what, since I'm dropping it off and it's going to be there, why don't you guys just do the work you recommended last time? It needs a bunch of stuff. It's like right there. It was like, you know what? That's it. Cecil's onto something. This guy knows what he's doing. (laughs) If I didn't know before that point, that's when I realized this is good. Some of the uh, ripe fruit fell from the tree. It did. How cool is that? And it it did not take long. So that happened and it was a sign that we're on the right track. The whole point of that story was making that initial jump, that initial leap to go flip some pretty big switches, closing Saturday, thinking we're going from six days to five days. We're screwed. Doing that, stopping the waiting appointments, and then immediately increasing our labor rate. I'm thinking like, this is going to be, this is going to be tough. Once we did that, we saw immediate results. All the changes we made after we were, as soon as we decided this is what we need to change, we just did it. Once in a while, wouldn't call it pushback, but we'd have some guys question things. Hey, you know, why are we doing this? And they just genuinely wanted to understand. And that's good. And we want everyone involved in it. Technicians, you kept them whole. Yeah. And they probably came up to you and said, thank you for giving me another day in my life. Yeah. I mean, they weren't ready to do side work. They just wanted to spend time, family, hobbies, right? Yeah. And what's better than having two days off in a row? Are you kidding me? I'm waiting for that. Tracy just won't give me Saturdays. (laughs) You got to do it. I don't know if anyone heard that, but I just got an ultimatum. (laughs) If she doesn't work Saturdays, I don't work Saturdays. Okay. All right. We're going to figure that out. What do you love to do in the business? What's your uh, power? So I'm a tough customer in my personal life outside of work. I'm a tough customer. I'll pay a premium. All right. If it's an expensive restaurant, if it's an expensive hotel, if you're an HVAC company and you're going to service the the air conditioning system at my house, I'll pay top dollar for that. For service, white glove service. For white glove service. Right. But I want perfection. I want to feel important. I want to feel like my business matters. I want to feel like if you make a mistake, you're going to own it. And we all make mistakes in my business every day. We all make mistakes. There's days we simply let customers down. We simply drop the ball. We forget to put the keys in the car when we park it and the customer goes to pick up after hours and their keys aren't where they're supposed to be. It happens and it happens in every shop. The difference is how you address that head on and make it right for the customer. Because I'm a tough customer, I know I want customers like me. I want people when they pick their car up, they don't want a fingerprint on the wheel. If they, if we do a tire rotation, we didn't get the wheels dirty, but we touched the wheels doing a rotation. And now there's fingerprints on the wheels. Those wheels need to be wiped down. I'm the kind of guy I'll pay more for the tire rotation because I know you're going to wipe the wheels down versus, you know, a budget place where I've, they're the cheapest guy in the block. And now I've got to deal with fingerprints all over my wheels or 
stains on my carpet, stuff like that. So I think because I'm a kind of a picky customer, I've got an eye for that. And I've been able to really put myself in the customer's shoes and say, from a customer standpoint, what can they expect from our shop and what should they expect? And the expectation is, has been pretty low because there's so many shops that for years weren't doing it right. And it just became this. So it's funny. We talked about waiting appointments. We had the hardest time getting people to show up on time for appointments. And I'm like, there's got to be a reason for this. And you start thinking about it for years. People would make an appointment at the dealership. You know, oh, I've got a 1:30 appointment. That car wouldn't come in at bay till 3:30. People got conditioned. These customers thought that, well, they're not going to be on time. I, you know, I made an eight o'clock appointment. I'll show up at nine o'clock. They'll, they'll get it in. No, eight o'clock. If you had an appointment, I've got a guy with a clipboard ready to take that car in. The expectations in our industry, from a customer standpoint, and this again, this is back when I when we first started, sloppy. It was sloppy. People expected that. People expected that they were going to have to. If there was an issue, they were going to have to go complain online, go call a 1-800 number for customer service at a whatever. And they were going to have to jump up and down and, and make a big scene to be able to have somebody step up and say, you know what? We messed up. It's respect. It's giving you respect. If you say nine, you mean nine and, and, and not take advantage of that. I love what you said. I love your passion. But as the owner of the shop who should not be on that counter, who should not right. be on that floor... How are you observing that your passion for white gloves service is getting done? Well, a couple of ways. I'm there every day. I do pay attention. I'm not involved in everything. I purposely stay out of anything that I don't need to be involved in. And I'm not an absent owner. I'm not somebody that runs from anything like that. But I believe that my people have the brains, the knowledge, the ability, and the moral compass needed to do the right thing. And they don't have to get my approval. If they've got an unhappy customer in front of them, they don't have to say, you know, let me talk to the owner and, and figure this out. They have the ability to make it right. If it needs to get to me, it will. And I'm always available. But the point is, I don't need to be. I don't want an environment where I've got a bunch of guys that are afraid to make a call to make a customer happy. I'm not there every day. I usually am. But when I'm not there, you know, I'm here at this conference. I haven't had a single phone call from the shop. Um, Amen. And not because I don't want to be bothered. I called yesterday just to check in. I'm like, what's, what's you going don't on, need guys? Me. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, Give me something to solve. Yeah. But it, it's great because they're all empowered. They know the vision. They know what we expect and they know the standard. And we've set the bar high. We don't accept anything less. And when we do slip up, we make up for it. We've had to make those phone calls. I've had to call a customer and say, hey, your car fell off a lift or you know, hey, I mean, a lot of guys don't want to admit that stuff, but hey, we've had oil outs. I've been on my hands and knees with my general manager scrubbing somebody's driveway more than once, more than I'd like to admit. It's been a long time, which is great. We've come a long way, but every shop makes mistakes. Everybody has had an oil out, an oil filter that leaks, you know, a new tire, new tires on a car. One of them goes flat the next day. There was an issue with it. We've all had that happen, but it's all in how you make up for it. That's your opportunity to get a customer for life. People remember good service. They remember bad service. And I think that's one of the most memorable things is when you take a situation where you've let somebody down and you completely turn that around and stand up and say, hey, we screwed up, but don't worry. We're already fixing it. This is what we're doing. This is how it's going to be. And from now on, this is how we're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. And people are like, oh, okay. Let me just talk to my listener directly. Have you noticed that Anthony Bodine is being as vulnerable as he possibly can, but maybe three years ago, he would never admit he was struggling. And now he saw the light and he's made all these changes and he's seen this incredible change in his business. And he's here willing to say, yeah, I wasn't perfect. 
that the encouragement that we've had for the last almost eight years doing this podcast, 1100 episodes, is to tell these kinds of stories and to obviously advance the aftermarketing, get the struggling people to come on board and realize that. And again, I go back to, I believe that every single shop in the US, North America, in fact, should have a business coach or be in some type of group. So thank you for sharing that. I want to change gears. Thank you for everything you said. Sure. When I sat down with Anthony, I said, so you're a Euro shop. And he looks at me and he smiles and he goes, ah, we got you. And I go, what do you mean? So explain. So we've always been just general service, pretty much every make and model. We don't service anything antique or big trucks or anything like that, but you know, just pretty much everything. Uh, we do quite a bit of fleet work, just your average everyday, everyday vehicles. But we also have serviced a good amount of Euro vehicles. And I'm, I'm an enthusiast. I always have been All right. BMW guy. I'm passionate about cars. So we decided, you know, and again, after working with Cecil and starting to really dig into the numbers and one of the KPIs we're always looking at is average repair order. Average repair order on European cars tends to be much higher. We see that they go a little longer between services, but when they need service, they're, you know, quite a bit more profitable. We want to capture more European vehicles out there. And we don't want to specialize and just become a service facility for only a couple of brands. We still want to service everything, but we want to dig a little deeper and a little more into the European cars. We can pull from a wider radius. We can get people to travel a little further for some of the specialty type cars. Like sure. Because there's sure. still a lot of shops that shy away from them. So what we did is we brought in some, got some help from a marketing company. Yeah, uh, you, re, you rebranded to the fact that the first thing I saw on your homepage was that you were a Euro yeah, shop. So we're, we're trying, and I'm still not convinced that that's the right way to do it because I don't want people to see that and think that we don't service, yeah. you know, Chevy Tahoes and Ford Transit vans and stuff like that because that stuff we service and we like servicing that stuff. Well, turn that on like, uh, you know, for three or four days yeah. every month and, and just wean it in but i happen to be right. there the it's, it's, wow you're a beautiful euro shop no it's brilliant it's really a brilliant way to make a huge marketing shift but to your point you don't want people that yeah, have america's camry right. to not want to come there right and, yeah. and the way i look at it is you look at the average household and, and the cars in the driveway and you have some people where every car in the driveway is a toyota or subaru i mentioned those two brands because to me those are the ones when you know, when someone has a Subaru, they're typically, you know, the spouse drives a Subaru, the kids start to drive them and they drive those forever. They're great cars and people that buy them typically are happy with them and keep buying them. But then a lot of households will have a mix. You know, dad's got an F-150, mom's got a, um, a Mercedes SUV and the son's got a Dodge Charger. There's a wide mix of, of vehicles in the driveway. We want to be able to service all of them. Again, me as a customer, I don't want to have to go to three different places. Again, I bring up the analogy with the HVAC stuff at my house. I don't want to have one company service my air conditioning, and then I have to call somebody else to come service the heat furnace. I want one company to do both of them. It's easier for me. I don't yeah. have to think about yeah. it. Same thing with the vehicle service. I want to be able to service within reason. There's certain things we don't get. We don't do antique cars. We don't do you know big heavy duty trucks or anything like that, but we want to be able to service everything in the driveway. Your view of consolidation that's going on since COVID, everything is so volatile right now. I don't know if that's the right word to use, it but is. everything is so one day it looks one way and all of a sudden it looks another way. And there's so many factors. We've had supply issues and 
people, all of a sudden they're going to keep their cars longer and then new car price is going to drop. What's the used car market going to do? There's so many factors influencing it. My commitment to it is just managing what I have control over. And, you know, as consolidation happens, I think that it's going to affect the guys that are where I was a few years ago, kind of just hanging on or thinking, you know, I kind of don't love this business. If I have an opportunity to get out, I'm just going to get out. But I think for us, no matter what happens, I don't think that we're going to wake up 10, 15 years from now and we're all going to get on some type of a rail system and hitch a ride to work that way. I think that the private transportation uh, or the private means of transportation, whether 20, 30 years from now we're flying around in drones, whether it's electric cars, hydrogen, nuclear, no matter what, people are still going to have a driveway with some type of vehicle in it. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but I know that ProTech's going to service whatever those vehicles are. We're going to service those 15 years from now, 20 years from now, and we're just going to keep adapting. We're going to stay on top of the technology. That's our commitment to it. I'm not afraid of it. It's one of those things. It's going to toss up the industry a little bit. Bring it on, huh? Yeah. I, okay. yeah bring it on. I, yeah. I, you know, I'm going to focus on things I can control. Yeah, yeah, right. Don't let it get you down, but be a player when it's time to be a player. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for bringing up drones. <laughs> I can't remember how old I was, but I was a little thing. And uh, I invented in my mind a flying car. And I couldn't stop telling my dad and my mom and the whole world about this flying car. My dad finally had calmed me down and brought me to a friend of his and says, tell Bob. And it was, I had to tell someone else besides family. And he goes, what a great idea, Carm. Maybe, who knows, someday. Someday. And so before I leave this earth, I want to, I want to ride in a flying car. You're going to make that happen. All your connections. You, I, there's yeah. going to be somebody that can make that happen. Yeah, I know, huh? All my people's in Detroit. You got any concerns about your market with these kind of tech layoffs going on? What goes on in Rhode Island? There's a, a shortage of technicians. The workplace is changing. The demands of the workforce is changing. It was brought up today at, at one of our meetings about we're never going to be a work from home. Well, as far as I can see, right. who knows, you know, but it doesn't look like we're ever going to be a work from home type place. I don't think that we're going to be replaced by robots. Well, I think we're going to do service advising from home. <laughs> Wearing our slippers. Yeah, in our little basement service advisor office with all the cameras in front of us and the VoIP phones. I don't know. I think that people, and again, I could be walking this back uh, sooner than I think, but my feeling is that people like dealing with people. When it comes to something as expensive and as important as servicing your vehicle, you've yeah. spent, you know, they're not getting any cheaper. Yeah. So there's people are still spending a lot of money on their vehicle. The repairs are getting more and more expensive. I think that people want a brick and mortar place with real people yeah, yeah. that actually yeah. care handling that for them. You know, I, I don't think it's going anywhere. I agree with you. My idea about the whole service advisor thing that's virtual is only for a support reason. You know, you're growing, but you found an opportunity to equip someone from home. And you still have a couple of people on your counter, but they could be doing estimates. There's a, there's a lot that a backup person can handle. The phone's going to ring three or four times. The backup person answers it and can see through, you know, video and what's going on with the phone on how they can support it. I think it's going to be a specialty, high tech type of support. And it doesn't mean that that person works for you. It could be a service. Yeah. Uh, like an, you know, almost like an answering an answer service. service. Yeah, exactly. Hey, how do you recharge, Anthony? That's a good question. It's tough these days. I've got two young kids at home. My daughter just turned five. My son will be two in April. 
It's been tough. One of my hobbies is I got into woodworking a couple of years ago. Okay. So I, as I said, I'm a car guy, always been a car guy. So my escape was always, you know, Saturday, Sunday at the shop working on my own stuff. I just can't anymore. I live about 15, about 20 minutes from my shop. And now with a wife and, and two young kids, I can't feel good about, you know, working all week, Monday through Friday, and then spending Saturday and Sunday at the shop, you know, tinkering on my own stuff. I just, it just doesn't interest me anymore. I would like to do that stuff. But what I want more is to have a good home life and happy family and spend time with my family. So I've had to kind of find things to uh, scratch my itch that, that don't involve me wrenching on a car. One of those things has been cooking. So I actually, a few years ago, started, nice. started cooking and yeah. What do you uh, make? What's your signature dish? Oh, I got a few. I make a mean, just any kind of a pan sauce, you know, no. chicken marsala, chicken piccata. Yeah. My wife loves How about that. a really of, quick um, bolognese? Can you do that? I can do a bolognese. A really quick bolognese isn't usually as good as a slow cooked bolognese. Okay. I quick, and I agree with you being Italian, yeah. but we want to maybe plan a, an East, uh, Eastern <laughs> New York road trip. We can always get over yeah. to your house and have yeah. pasta. Yeah. I can do a quick marinara, <laughs> but a bolognese, that, that's something that needs to go that's a, low right. and slow yeah. all day. Yeah. It was, but, yeah. But yeah. Second day is always Absolutely. the best. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Yeah. So cooking has been kind of my, my unwind and just, uh, it's it, time I can spend with the family. Kids are in the kitchen and my little one, he's two, he's, uh, got a little kitchen and he's got these little pans. He bangs around. He comes over as I'm cooking. He comes over and brings me a pan. I, you know, pretend to reach in and eat the food. And so it, it's good. Hey, look, I had so much fun. Uh, please come back on the show. Get on some of our, you yeah, know, town I'm hall panels. I've, I've listened uh, to these podcasts for years now thank you. and I never thought I'd have anything uh, worthy of discussing on here, but I'm glad you invited me. I'm appreciative of the opportunity. Let me give you my worthy rating. This was a 9.75. It was so good. Wow. It would be a 10 if the listener takes this stuff and does something with it. I know we're going to hear feedback on it. Thank you, Carm, to have Anthony on to give me a kick in the ass because <laughs> you've been there and done that. You struggled. You turned it around. You have exciting things ahead of you. Your head screwed on so incredibly tight Thank you. because you're a white glove perfectionist. And uh, God, if you were closer, uh, that's where I'd be taking my car. I appreciate that. And we would do a good job for you. Thank you, man. Appreciate uh, One you. thing I have to say for people yeah. is the advice is it's overwhelming. When you start looking at Number one, you can't compare yourself to other shops. You have to compare yourself with where you were and your shop was yesterday yeah. and last year. So that's your only competition. That's your comparison. Yeah. Forget what everybody else is doing, but look at where you want to be or where you think you can be. And you got to take small bites, just break it down. And that's why a coach is helpful because they can really, you know, it, it can seem so overwhelming in the beginning. And, and I was overwhelmed. And that's, I think that's one of the really important things that Cecil did for me was kind of after he told me all the reasons why we're terrible, <laughs> kind of calmed me down and said, this is fixable. You're not alone. Like this, everybody goes through this. So we're going to fix this little by little. It's going to take you a couple of years and it's going to be fine. Don't look at it like it's this huge, you know, tomorrow I've got to go in and fix my shop and turn it around. It's impossible. You're going to get overwhelmed. Did you believe? I did. I believed from day one, once I met him and once I started seeing what other guys were doing, I believed that with the head start I already had and the product that we had, because I knew we had the right product. I knew we had the right people. I just knew that we needed some help. So I did believe. And once I started seeing results, the further into it I dug and the further into it we went, the more and more I believed. So I believe a lot more now than I did three years ago. But I, I went into this with the belief that we could do it. And there's nowhere you can't go. That's right. Anthony Bodine, ProTech Automotive Services, Johnston, Rhode Island. That's it. Thanks, bud. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yep. 
Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.